Well, we're grateful that you could join us as we continue our Lenten journey. It's funny because uh, this morning when I got up, I had put together some catechism quotes and some quotes from the church fathers, and I was going to read it, and I drove over here, and I told uh, Father Ron, I said, gee, I forgot all that. You want to do the homily? So I was like, because I don't have anything here to be able to read, but you know, that must mean God wants to go a different direction. So just opening our heart to the message here, there was one thing I was not going to talk about, and that was listening to Brother Ben read that first reading. And I think this is God at work because I wasn't going to mention that. Now, what is the tie between that first and second reading? All right. Now, let's start actually with the gospel. This is the only time in the gospels that Jesus uses physical force. Now, was it because our Lord was guilty of the seven deadly sins of anger? No, it was a justifiable um, action. Remember, I gave a talk a little bit of time ago about the difference between judging the person and judging the action. What was our Lord upset with? Our Lord was upset not because there was necessarily an exchange for buying an animal to sacrifice outside of the temple or even in the outer courtyard because the inner part of the temple was the Holy of Holies. What was the problem? Well, Jesus isn't necessarily upset with commerce. I mean, God created commerce. He gave man an economy uh, to be able to be able to balance our, our, our lives and to be able to know that we have to contribute something to receive something. All right, you all know that. The problem that Jesus had here, if you notice the term, is with the money changers. What was going on is when you went to the temple, you needed animals to sacrifice. Now you had to purchase those. So there was nothing wrong with purchasing these animals for sacrifice. These were, this was a standard of the Judeo or the Judah, um, uh, Judah, Ju <laughs> Jewish faith. Now, what then was the problem? The problem was these exchangers were swindling the people. They were taking advantage of the people by exchanging unfair, much unfair rates. It's kind of like when you are a traveler and you're stuck on the last day of your trip and you want to get home having to exchange your money at the airport. <laughs> the airport are the money day or the current day money changers. You, you hand them what should be $100 American to get back X number of euros and you get back about half of that, right? So our Lord was upset that they were using his house, the temple, to swindle these innocent worshipers. Now, the fact is, what kind of sin do we have here? Now, we talk about the worst and the not-so-worst sins as mortal and venial. But you can actually deviate those up or divide those up because sins, for instance, you'll hear Father Mike Gately say, sins of malice are much worse than sins of weakness. Sins of weakness where you might be caught into an addiction because at 10 years old you started drinking alcohol. The Lord has mercy on this. Is it an excuse? No. 
But does the Lord have mercy? Yes. Sins of weakness do not rival or rank with the types of sins of malice, where I am ultimately want to destroy you. I want to hurt you. I wish you damnation. These are the worst possible sins. This is why lack of forgiveness, in a sense, is so serious, because we want them to be punished. And then the measure by which we measure will be measured out to us. So please forgive. You've heard me talk about that. But this sin fits somewhere in the middle. It's a sin of selfishness. These money changers were focused on themselves, wanting to maximize their income. This sin kind of fits in between those two, and we have a spectrum that our Lord is opening our eyes to see the wide range that sin covers. It covers a wide range, all the way from the weakness where we don't want to do it, to the worst of malice where we certainly want to do it, to something in between where we don't want to hurt anybody else, but we'll do what it takes to please ourselves the selfishness. Now, why do I bring this up? Because I just think it all ties to what Brother Ben just read in that first reading, the first commandment. Every one of those sins are based on pride. Pride is the king sin. It was the fall of Satan. We all know this. Now, don't have a misunderstanding of pride. <clears throat> My father, uh, his friends tell me, used to argue with Sister Alice Marie back in third grade, <laughs> not understanding why pride was so bad. Well, gee, I want my dad to be proud of me. Well, aren't you proud of your son? Aren't you proud of your daughter? They made the honor roll. That's not the kind of pride we're talking about. That's joy. I think the word pride is misused there. That's a joy. You as a parent take joy in the fact that your child is the starter, starting quarterback on the football team or has been recognized for ex exemplary co community service. That's a joy. Yeah, you can have pride in your son. I'm proud of him or her. That's not what we're talking about. Pride is the basis and the king of all sin. What do you think the first commandment is? Well, a lot of people will confuse. And I want to talk about just the first and the second commandments. And the third, actually. You see, our Lord, in the first commandment, says, you will have no other gods before me. Now, most of us take that to mean we don't worship Buddha or Allah. We're okay. You've heard me say before that in the confessional, I have very rarely had anyone confessed to me the first breaking of the first commandment. Understandably, I think that's because, again, we see it as not worshiping a pagan god. But sadly, we've probably all broken that first commandment at one time or another. And the reason I say that is because this first commandment is putting anything or anyone ahead of God. There is a throne in our heart. Every one of you, every one of us, all of us are born with a throne in our heart 
and we have free will to place upon that throne what we choose. God will not force his way into our heart and force himself to sit on the throne of our heart. That throne is up to you to what you place on it. What is your God? Is it sex, money, or power? These are the three things of the world that you've heard me say before, the small g gods of the world of why we religious take the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. We take the vow of poverty to overcome the small g god of the world of money. We take the vow of chastity to overcome the small g god of the world of sex. And we take the vow of obedience to overcome the small g god of the world of power. Now, it doesn't stop there. We could put people on that throne. Our modern-day worship of athletes or movie stars is a good example. If an athlete or a movie star mocks religion, so should we. We're putting their opinion and putting them on our throne rather than Almighty God. But probably the biggest and the most serious is none of that. It's putting ourselves on that throne. When we put ourselves on that throne through selfishness, or in some ways certainly malice, or even weakness, it's because we want we want to receive, we want to be pleased, we want to excel, we want to be honored, we want to have all we need, we want our needs met, we want to be the one who gets the attention paid to. This is putting ourselves on the throne. When our Lord says in the first commandment to have no other gods, we normally don't think that. But any time that we are selfish, we do that. This is why the church teaches that contraception is so wrong. Contraception is being selfish because we are holding back from the one that we love. In the marital act, the three objectives of marriage, unitive, pro, or procreative first, unitive, and getting your spouse to heaven, we have to understand that to be unitive is uniting with the person. And in contraception, we are blocking that. We are saying, you know, I love you, kind of, but I don't love you enough to have another one like you in the world. I'm going to hold back because I can't get pregnant right now. I'm going to go to get my master's degree. I want that promotion at work and a baby will mess all of that up. And from the father's side, I can't do that right now. I can't be a father right now. I want to travel. I want to see the world. It's because we're self-focused. That's why the church teaches that contraception is so wrong. It's all based on that self-focus. And that is pride. What is the answer? Humility. Humility. This is why we honored the Blessed Mother yesterday. She's the queen of, of humility. And if you saw our, our three o'clock broadcast, you saw Brother Patrick. Brother Patrick's in the back. I don't mean to embarrass him, but God bless Brother Patrick. You know, that was the first time he spoke publicly. And if you heard his talk, wow. 
I got so many comments and, and people writing to me how beautiful it was. I just got one this morning right before I was walking up to Mass, and I don't even remember Brother Patrick. I'll have to look at it. He's, she said, please tell Brother Patrick his last sentence was very powerful. I apologize. I don't remember <laughs> what his last sentence was, but I'm going to go back and listen to it. That is the honor of our Blessed Mother that is the queen of humility. That's the queen virtue because it counteracts pride. That's why, and then there's also a misunderstanding in humility. People think humility is thinking less of yourself. It's not. You've heard me say before, that would be like Barry Sanders saying, I wasn't a good football player. No, that's not humility. That's false humility. He was a great football player. He was the best. Now, Father Ron is from Texas, so he might say Earl Campbell. But Barry Sanders saying, I'm not a good football player, is false. He was. Humility is simply the truth. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. That's why the saints tell us that it's so important. And the fact the saints tell us that, you know, there are many, many souls in hell that did many, many good things. There are souls in hell that worked at soup kitchens. There are souls in hell that, that, that wrote checks out to their church. But there's not one soul in hell with the virtue of humility. And likewise, there are many souls in heaven that have done some bad things. There are souls in heaven that have done drugs. There are souls in heaven that have looked at pornography. But there's not one soul in heaven with the vice of pride. And to me, that summarizes it all. Now, that first commandment is also confused for the second half of it. You shall not have graven images. Now, a lot of non-Catholics accuse us Catholics of having these graven images. I'm surprised, but the most complaints I get from our postings and our videos, this one is just still surprising to me. By far, the number one complaint that I get is call nobody your father. So I guess that's because it says, hear Father Chris speak on this topic. <laughs> That one is the biggest complaint we get against uh, Catholicism called no one your father. And I've explained that one over and over. But the next one that I probably get is you Catholics worship idols, graven images. No, the iconoclasm heresy. And John Damascene worked much to clarify this. Was clarified, I think like the sixth or seventh century. The point is, is you got to listen to what our Lord says in that first commandment. You shall not have graven images. True. But why? If you read that first commandment, it says, for the sake of bowing down and worshiping them. The fact that having graven images is not the first commandment. It's worshiping that is against the first commandment. Otherwise, why did God command that angels be carved, cherubim or cherub, uh, cherubim be carved and placed on the Ark of the Covenant to be carried by the Jews? Why did God command Moses to carve a serpent and raise it in the desert on a pole for the sick people to look upon to be healed? Well, it was a precursor of his son being lifted up on the cross that people will gaze upon it and be healed. You've heard me say before that if you can't have a graven image, then you have to remove every picture of your family off your desk 
because it's a graven image. It's not what our Lord meant. He meant for the purpose of worshiping them. From time to time, I get complaints about the image of divine mercy. When I do talks about the image of divine mercy, it says that, you know, I always point that Jesus said through this image, those who venerate this image will not perish. Those are the Lord's words, not mine. And man, do I get the letters. How dare you say that? I mean, the one beauty of having our, our videos out there online is, is reaching non-Catholics. We've never been able to do this like this before. I've gotten a lot of letters from you who are watching today that have come back to your Catholic faith or weren't Catholic at all. Felix and I were talking about this the other day. We were reading through them, and it's amazing how many people say, you know, I wasn't Catholic. One guy even wrote and says, in the middle of this talk, I stopped and asked my father to become Catholic. <laughs> That's the beauty. But with it comes a lot of attacks and, and hey, we're priests. That's what we're, we, we are ready for. And those attacks are, you are pagan. You are disgusting because you are worshiping an image, a graven image. The image is of Jesus. And that image is of Jesus. And he says, those who venerate, not worship the canvas, or the paint, those who venerate this image, which means what it stands for, they will not perish. So in that first commandment, we don't understand it. First part of it, that we're not worshiping Buddha or Allah, so we never confess it. No, we could put things of the world, people of the world or ourselves on that throne that God deserves. And that second part of the first commandment, not have engraving images, we misunderstand to mean to even have them on your desk or on your wall. No, it's that we don't worship him. And, and, and our Lord even clarifies this in the diary of St. Faustina, saying that it's not about the canvas or the color or the brush strokes. It's about what it represents, Christ. So when we venerate that image, we are venerating Yes, the image, but we are worshiping what it represents. We don't worship the image. We worship Jesus who is in that image. We are human creatures. We're body and soul composite. Our Lord knows we need to see, feel, touch to be able to understand something. We have to see it. So that's why he gives us the image. And that image of divine mercy is the face of the Father's mercy. And so in it, we have to understand this first commandment. Many people don't. And when we do understand it, we'll make sure that Catholicism makes perfect sense. In fact, other people say Catholics rewrote the Ten Commandments because it, our numbering system doesn't match what's in the Bible. Well, it depends if you're reading Exodus or Deuteronomy. If you're reading Deuteronomy 5 versus Exodus 20, the fact that it is, is the Bible didn't number the commandments. It did not say the first commandment is this, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth is this, you shall not commit adultery. It doesn't say that. Fifth is you shall not murder. It just listed them. If you read Exodus and Deuteronomy, it's just a way that it is written that the Catholics have followed Augustine and the Protestants have followed the Greek fathers in just the way that they number them. It all encompasses it. Well, you Catholics remove that you're not supposed to worship graven images. That means you want to worship graven images. No, our graven images is built into the first commandment. 
The first commandment says you should have no other false gods before you. So if you want to take a molten golden calf and mold it and place it on your shelf and worship it every day, you have violated the first commandment to a Catholic that says you shall not have any other gods besides me. That includes worshiping an icon or a graven image. The whole point is that's not what we do. It's like our blessed mother. We don't worship her. We venerate, we honor her as a good example. That's the beauty of our Catholic faith. Now, I hope this made sense because I'm just rambling, I know it, but that's what's in my heart. That's what came into my heart to speak to all of you today about. So let us ask God today to help us to live that first commandment, to put him on the throne not anything else of this world, anybody else of this world, or especially ourselves. That's why the first two commandments are love God and love your neighbor. Now, that doesn't mean we don't love ourselves. We have to. But in the sense of putting our God and our neighbor ahead of ourselves is the key. Remember that we are to put God first. And if you do not if you don't do that, if we don't put God first, we've missed that first commandment. And um, unless we die to ourselves, unless we die, we will not have life. And what does the, the gospel passage say? That if we seek to save our life, ultimately we will lose it. If we seek to give up our life, ultimately we will find it. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.